Listener-supported AMA 50 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. It's the Midday Moments program. I'm Gary Duncan, your host for the program. And we're about to begin a brand new Lenten tradition here on the Moments on the Lighter Side segment. And it's time now for that segment. Previous weeks, we've had a variety of special speakers, including such luminaries as uh, St. Peter. We had Dr. Luke, and we almost talked to Mary Magdalene. But now that we've begun the Lenten season, Peter promised us a guest who would tell us about the story of Jesus' passion. Who it is? I really don't know. That's part of the tradition here. It could be anybody. I'll just make the connection and we'll get who we get. So uh, let's see who Peter got for us this year. Hello, this is uh, Gary Duncan with KFUO Radio. Yes, yes. Hello, uh, Gary. Uh, Peter said you would be calling. And if you don't mind me asking, who am I speaking with this afternoon? Well, if uh, you don't mind, I would prefer to remain anonymous. After all, the Bible doesn't mention my name, so why should I? Uh, my name isn't important anyway. Just the story I have to tell. But you are mentioned in the Bible? I don't mean to pry, but were you one of Jesus' followers or one of his enemies? I, I never thought of myself as one of Jesus' enemies, but, but perhaps I was. Uh, Jesus did say, if a man is not for me, he is against me. But no, no, I, I would call myself a follower. Or at least I wanted to be. Well, sir, I'm I'm sorry to be probing uh, again, but I I guess it's just the reporter part of me. But where exactly are you mentioned in the Bible? Well, if you must know, in the Bible, I'm I'm usually referred to as the rich young man. Oh, now I see what you meant when you say you wanted to be one of his followers. However, I don't remember that you had a big role to play in Jesus' passion. It seems to me that your story ends with you going away from Jesus. In fact, in the words of the Gospel of Mark, you went away sorrowfully. That's true, and and in fact, most of the story of Jesus' passion I, I did not witness, although I wish I had. I'm sorry, but I won't be able to tell you much about the events at Gethsemane or, or what happened at his trial in the Sanhedrin. I'm surprised a rich young man like yourself would have uh, been part of the August body. Uh, truly, at one point, I had dreamt of holding such a position of honor, but it was not my destiny. No, I was not at any of the events that led up to Jesus' crucifixion, but I was there when they nailed him to the cross. And I think what I saw there will give me sufficient things to talk about. If you don't mind, before we talk about the passion of Jesus, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your own story. Well, I'd, I'd love to tell you about my own story. That might be a good place to begin. It will help us understand how you felt that day you saw Jesus die. It will give us your perspective on the events. Yes, how I how I felt, my my perspective. It It would help with that. Well, then, let, let me tell you about myself. As a young man, I knew God loved me. How'd you know that? Well, consider all the blessings he had showered me with. I, after all, was a rich young man. I was extremely wealthy. Certainly, God must have loved me more than the many poor people of our community. Why else would he have given me so many earthly goods? Surely, you, you know, however, that wealth does not make a person a good man. Oh, I understand that completely. I know the words of Rabbi Paul, who said that the love of money is the root of evil. And in my day, I knew many a wicked rich man, people who used their wealth to exploit others, people who would live in luxury and party all day long and turn their back on the poor man who lay at their gate. 
Oh, oh, but that was not me. Not only was I a rich man, but I was a religious man as well. I made my contributions to the poor box and gave much more than most, I must confess. It was precisely those things that made my decision so difficult. Decision? What decision are you talking about? What, what, choosing a rabbi, of course. Naturally, as a young religious man, I would want a mentor to follow. But being wealthy would make that a difficult task. Why would your wealth be a factor in that decision? Well, well, one would think that rabbis would all be men of integrity, wouldn't you? But trust me, there were many dishonest rabbis in my day, <laughs> as there are today. Any number of rabbis would have welcomed me with open arms, just so they could get at my money. So, what attracted you to Jesus? Well, <laughs> at first I wasn't. I wasn't quite sure of those who followed him. He'd welcome men like Matthew, even Zacchaeus. What's the problem there? Both of them were rich men like yourself. Oh, yes, but, but they got their wealth by consorting with the Roman oppressors. They got their money by, by cheating innocent people, overcharging them on their taxes. And how did you get your money? Well, I got my money the old-fashioned way. I inherited it. Why did you end up going to Jesus then? Well, honestly, Gary, I suppose every rabbi is going to have some hangers-on who are less than desirable. I mean, we can't always choose those who follow us. I knew there were other respectable men who were checking out Jesus. Men like Nicodemus, uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Why, one such man had even been selected by Jesus to be Jesus' treasurer, a man I knew named Judas. But as a rich man, what did you think of the fact that most of his followers were rather common folks, simple fishermen like Peter and John? Oh, oh, that didn't bother me. I'm not like some rich men. I'm not stuck up. Actually, I was impressed that he allowed such men to follow him. Obviously, he wasn't one of those rabbis who were just interested in a man's money. Jesus seemed to be honest enough, and, and furthermore, his teaching seemed to be in agreement with my philosophy. How so? Oh, I had listened to him preach several times. What struck me, though, was that one sermon he preached on the mountain there in Galilee. I didn't stay to hear the whole thing. <laughs> I had other things to do. <laughs> the schedule of a rich man is always pressing. But I heard his first words, and that was enough. And what were those words? Well, if you have a Bible handy... Why don't you read them for yourself? They're recorded right there in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. Okay, let me open it up here. Uh, Matthew, chapter 5, verses yes. 17 through 20. I have it right here. And Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I was in full agreement with that statement. That's what we needed in our day. People who were committed to keeping God's law in its entirety, even beyond what the so-called religious people were doing. That was my goal.
to be as rich in good works as I was in earthly blessings, to fulfill the law beyond what anyone else had. And Jesus seemed to be the perfect rabbi to help me accomplish that goal. And that's why I chose Jesus to be my rabbi. And that was your first problem. But what, what do you mean? Well, as Jesus once said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. No one becomes a disciple of Jesus because of their will or their decision. Rather, Jesus is the one who seeks out and finds those he would have as his own. Well, I, I know that now, but back then I, I didn't. I suppose that explains why things went so badly for me that day. Well, what happened? I got off on the wrong foot from the very start. I, I had thought I had greeted Jesus properly. I, I had addressed him as good teacher, but he rebuked my salutation. Were you trying to butter him up just a little bit? Well, <laughs> Gary, as a rich man who often has to deal with other rich and influential men, I understood that everyone likes to be spoken kindly of. But, but no, I, I wouldn't say I was buttering him up. I, I was just being honest. Uh, from all that I could see, he was a good man. Well, you know, the irony was that you were right. You just weren't right enough. <laughs> what do you mean by such double talk? Well, consider his response. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You were right. Jesus is good, but not just a good man. He was almighty God. I, I realize that now, and... And every day I praise the heavens that Jesus is the Almighty God. But admittedly, I, I did not realize it that day. But, but then again, how many people did? Well, what happened next? Well, he began interviewing me. <laughs> you know, I had hoped that my reputation had preceded me and such formalities would not be necessary. But I suppose I could not expect such an honored man to show partiality. And I welcomed his questions. After all, I was fully prepared to give answer. He asked you whether you had kept the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. Which was no problem, for I had done all of those things from my youth. There was a problem, wasn't there? Because Jesus wanted you to do even more. Exactly. He wanted me to sell all I had and give it to the poor. Now, now, where was that in the commandments? You know, you left the Sermon on the Mount a little too soon. If you'd stayed, you would have found that Jesus demands much more than just keeping God's law. He demands a change in our hearts. He demands that we be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. Yes, that's, that was the word he used that day. If you would be perfect, he had said to me. And the Bible tells us, then you went away sorrowful. But let me ask, what did you really feel like at that moment? Well, part of me was angry and, and resentful. What right did this rabbi have to speak to me like that? But there was, as the Bible says also, part of me that was truly sorrowful for something he said had touched my heart. And what was that? He said there was, there was one thing needful. He was right. That was the real reason I had come to him. I had all the wealth in the world. I, I had more good works than anyone else I knew, and yet there was still this feeling that I needed something more, that there was one more thing that I needed, but I had no idea what it was, one more thing needful. It was almost like he had seen into my heart. So why didn't you follow him then? Well, the answer is simple, because I had great possessions. I, I, I just couldn't give them up, although ironically, in the end, I would. 
but but that's a story for a later date. Sir, we appreciate your time with us this afternoon, having heard your background, and we we really do look forward to uh, hearing more from you in the weeks to come. So yeah. I appreciate again. I appreciate you so much. But enough about myself. Next week, I'll tell you the things that I saw and heard on that day they nailed Jesus to the cross. We are the messenger of good news. We look forward to uh, spending more time with the rich man next week here on the segment, uh, Moment on the Lighter Side. KFUO AM 850 in the St. Louis area. We are worldwide at KFUO.org.